0: So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith just as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving or thankfulness. Um, Amazing passage that that teaches us so much about how to change how we change. Uh, We've gone through the last couple of weeks looking at these these facts that change the way we change uh, based upon this passage. And so week number one, we looked at fact. Number one is that it's not a project, it's a process. A lot of times we get these New Year's resolutions and we have these project-oriented mindsets and then kind of fall flat early on in January or at least by February. It hasn't worked because we think it's a project, but the truth is God is working a process within us. And last week we discovered how it's not achieving, it's receiving. Uh, We receive what God has done. We receive his joy. We receive his peace we receive his spirit and because of the things that we receive from him because of what jesus has done for us that empowers us to go out and achieve so we receive in order to achieve today we're going to look at fact number three in fact number three is simply this it is not trying it's training It's not trying, it's training. I don't know about you, but I've been in so many modes where where I felt God's conviction. Maybe I was in a service, maybe somebody spoke something, maybe I just realized an issue in my life, but I got the mindset, I got to go out and try to accomplish all these things. I got to try and lead my coworkers to Jesus. I've got to try and bring my school to Christ. I've got to try and make my marriage better. I've got to try and become a better husband. I've got to try and do this, this, this and this. And the truth is, the, the, tr- the purpose of the Christian walk is not for all of us to try, because most of the time when we try, what happens? We fail, right? If you've been around the Christian life for very long and you've received that conviction, you've received that prick from the Spirit and decided, I need to go out and try to accomplish this, most of us, more often than not, if we were honest, we say we failed. But it's not about trying, it's about training. And to illustrate this, I want to talk about one of my absolute favorite people in the world, and it's not about Melody this time, so she can relax this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about a man named Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the quarterback of my hometown, Seattle Seahawks. If you're not a football fan... I promise this is going to make sense. There's a spiritual place that we are going with this. David's a San Francisco 49ers fan. He almost walked out of service, uh, but he's going to hang with me just because he loves Jesus enough. Uh, so Russell Wilson is the quarterback of the Seahawks. If you don't know anything about Russell, this is his second year in the league. He came in last year. He was not a high draft pick. He was not expected to be very good. He was an underdog. We had a series a couple months back, got of the Underdogs, and so Russell was an underdog coming into the league. He was an underdog primarily for one reason, any NFL fan. And no. He was short. He's not very tall. In fact, Russell Wilson is 5'11", which for NFL quarterbacks is extremely short. He is, in fact, the shortest quarterback in the league. In fact, some people even go so far as to call him the Seahawks midget quarterback, which makes me feel awesome because I'm 5'8", and he's three inches taller than me, uh, and I'm the midget. So, uh, but he's 5'11", which is extremely short. For an NFL quarterback. Nobody expected him to be very good. So he's known for his shortness. He's known for a couple other things. He's known for his uh, improvisational skills. He, he's really good at getting outside the pocket, making people miss, and making things happen. He's known for something else, especially in the Seattle area. Uh, he's known for being a Christian. He's actually got an incredible faith. And so he's a guy who I can look up to. Uh, very, very well. And so actually, Pastor Mark Driscoll, who's the pastor at Mars Hill Church there in Seattle, I actually got to sit down with him and interview him about his faith recently. Uh, I wanted to show you the whole thing, but I got convicted that that was pretty much just selfish because I just like Russell Wilson. So I'm going to show you just a clip uh, of him talking about his faith so you can kind of grab a hold of where I'm going with this. Tim, go ahead and roll that tape for us. And, and I would say this too, uh, you've done a good job, man. I mean, the 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 mood in the city is, here's a man who works hard, he cares deeply, he produces results. There's a lot of boys waking up tomorrow putting on a Russell Wilson jersey going to school, you know. Anything you'd tell those boys that look up to you and put your jersey on and are rooting for you, Well, you know, I think for me, you know, everybody's parents are different. Everybody comes up in a different lifestyle. You know, for me, you know, I was blessed enough to have parents that believed in the Lord. And I was blessed enough to have parents that worked extremely hard and were always motivating. But if you don't have those people in your life, too, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're eight years old, five years old, 15 years old or or 25 years old or 45 years old. Jesus is still real. Jesus is still alive. And so um, I I just pray that those kids um, live with an open heart try to learn as much as they can about the Lord and try to find somebody to look up to and the person I look up to ultimately is Jesus Christ. And you know, that's where I, that's why I'm, I am where I am today. All right, so he looks up to Jesus Christ above and beyond anything else. Another great challenge I think that we can take from that tape is, man, what an amazing legacy that his parents have left. To grow him up in the faith, had no idea that their son would grow up to to be an NFL quarterback who performs in front of millions every weekend, and now the platform that God has given him to proclaim his truth. And being from Seattle, can I tell you, Seattle is a heathen, nasty city. Uh, it is the second most unchurched city in the United States, uh, and so for a guy like Russell Wilson to come in and, and boldly stand up and say, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, and this is why you should follow and believe too, uh, it is an incredible thing, and so moms and dads, don't ever underestimate the impact. Don't ever underestimate the importance of putting God's word into your kids, of raising your children in the faith. That's a, that's a side note. That's not really related to where I'm going today, but it was just something that grabbed hold of me so much uh, while I watched that tape. Um, another thing that Russell is famous for and really well known for, and you heard Pastor Mark and Russell both allude to it, just a little bit in that tape is hard work. Uh, Russell Wilson is known for his training techniques this is a guy who shows up before anybody else gets to practice he's the last guy to leave time and time again and I don't want you just to take my word for it I have a quote here from uh, from coach Pete Carroll the Seahawks coach he got interviewed uh, by ESPN Seattle recently listen to what uh, this article says says Carroll sat Oh, this Actually, let me tell you this. This was right after the Seahawks lost to the Arizona Cardinals. This was the last loss uh, back around December the 20th that they had, and this was right after the game. It says, Carroll sat at an adjacent locker while Wilson got dressed following Sunday's game, talking with the quarterback after what was arguably his worst day as a pro. When asked how Wilson will respond, Carol noted that the two exchanged text messages until late Sunday night. So he's up all night texting his coach, and then Wilson beat his coach back to the team facility early Monday. Now listen to this. This is beyond uh, anything that I expected. It says, he was in here about 4.30 this morning. So he's working at it. He's doing everything that he can. Uh, the kid has become a legend for outworking everybody. And that's the only way that somebody who is too short to play the position that doesn't have the physical, uh, natural build that you look for, that's the only way that somebody can, can can succeed in that situation. So let's say this. Let's say that one day um, I decided, you know what, I've been a Seahawks fan since I was five years old. I've been following this team my whole life. I know what they're doing. I understand the offensive scheme. I have the, the basics in mind. So I'm pumped up. I'm ready. Russell needs a day off. I'm going to go take Russell's place at practice for a day. I'm going to step in there. I'm going to jump behind center. I'm going to call the plays. I'm just going to go hang out and have a good time. I'm going to try my best to run quarterback for the Seahawks for one day in practice. How many of you think I could last 30 seconds back there? Nobody. Crickets, right? Hayden, uh, you have what the Bible refers to as a flattering tongue that leads to ruin. You're trying to get me killed, dog. Why are you going to do that to me, man? Uh of course, I can't go back there. If, if I tried to play quarterback uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, if I stepped behind center and had these 300-pound beasts running me down, um, I'd be in the fetal position within, like, 10 seconds, right? <laughs> I'd be praying in the spirit, Lord, like, send the rapture, like, something. I need to get out of here. Um, you can't do that. Not just me. You wouldn't be able to do it either. You can't step into a situation where somebody has trained for 20 years For a career and walk in there off the streets and say, you know what, I'm going to try my hardest. And yet so often I think this is what Christians do, is we decide I've got to fix something in my life, I've got to face this giant, I've got to face this demon, I've got to deal with this issue, and we go in there, we strap on our boxing gloves and we decide we're going to try, but we skip the training. And so what I want to talk to you today about is the importance of Training. It doesn't mean that if you're in a situation right now and you haven't been in God's word, you haven't grown up in the faith, man, maybe you don't even know Jesus today. I'm not saying that God can't do a miracle in your life because he can. Absolutely. We believe in the supernatural power of God. At the same time, there are things that God wants to do in us that aren't just going to happen through a prayer. There's things that are going to have to happen through a process of day by day seeking God's face, putting in the time and effort that he's called us to. To put in so Colossians two six and seven, if you haven't written it down, if you haven't memorized it, um, I, I want to ask you to do this we're going to read this passage together. I want you to read it with me aloud, and then I want you to work on memorizing this. We've got two more weeks in this series. it's not just going to be Bianca and me that have this passage memorized we 're going to hide it in our heart, so maybe this will help if we read it aloud. So Colossians chapter two verse six, go ahead and put it on the screen. everybody ready so then. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Okay, we'll go back, start, starting verse 7. <laughs> rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. We're going to get that down in our spirit one way or the other. But, but notice some of the phrases in this passage. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. These are not passive statements. These are active statements. These are the statements of someone who is training, who is putting in significant time, putting in hour after hour, connecting with what God has for them. If you're a construction manager and you know that you're putting up a building, you know that that building's not going to go up overnight. It's not just a one-day project. You're going to have to build a foundation. You're going to have to bring in an electrician and a plumber. You're going to have to put up walls. You're going to have to bring in the roof. There's all these things that have to happen in order for that building to go up. Uh, If you are trying to get strong, trying to get swole, you're not just going to go to the gym for five days and walk out of there and be like, "All right, now I'm ripped. There's a process that it's going to take. We all understand this innately, but I think it's important to build this context because I think a lot of times we get so discouraged in our walk with God because we make these commitments with God and and we expect these things to happen overnight but we don't stay true to the process we don't stay true to the training the Christian life and go ahead and write this down we're gonna put this on the screen for you the Christian life is not about going from event to event or project to project in our own effort instead It is a day-by-day submitting to God and his process of training for us. If you are going to do this thing, if Jesus has saved you, if you've received his Holy Spirit, if you've been forgiven your sins and promised salvation, if that is the state that you are in or if you choose to take that step, you are signing up for a day-by-day training process. You are signing up for God to speak to you, to lead you, to guide you one day after the next. So we're going to get real practical today. We're going to look at three ways that God trains us. We're going to look at three specific things that God wants to do in your life and in mine to train us. And some of this is going to seem super basic and super elementary, but I believe that it needs to be said. I believe that we need to be reminded. In fact, I think that most of the times when God speaks to us, whether he's speaking to us through a friend, through a family member, through, through a pastor, whether he's speaking to us through his word, through his spirit, most of the time when God speaks to us, he's not giving us something new. He's reminding us something he's already told that we haven't completely put into practice. So today is going to be a day of reminders. Maybe there's going to be some eye-opening moments for some of us in some of this, but for most of us, this may be stuff that you've already heard, that you've already been taught, but I dare say... You're probably not walking in all of it right now. So I'm going to encourage us to train. I'm going to encourage us to put in the time and effort that God is calling us towards. So let's look briefly at the first step in this process before we get to the next step. The first thing is if you want to train God's way, you need to change your paradigm. Change your paradigm. Romans 12 verse 2 uh, very famously tells us, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. There's a link that the Apostle Paul creates through the power of the Holy Spirit between transformation, between changing, which that's what this series is all about, right? It's the new rules of resolutions. We're gonna change the way we change. We're gonna transform. If we wanna transform, if we wanna be different, if we wanna be better in 2014, what is the link? The link is change, your, transform your situation, renew your mind. The way that we think determines so much of what we do. In fact, it's been said many times that just as a man thinks, so he is. The way that we think is going to determine our life pattern. That's why this series is so great for me. I often have to be reminded that I don't have to work or achieve in order to receive God's approval. That's a a reminder I have to get all the time. The the same grace that saved me is the grace that I walk in and live by day by day. Many of you know I, I grew up in a Christian home, in fact, my, my parents uh, taught me about Jesus for literally as long as I can remember. The first time I ever prayed to receive salvation, I was two years old. Uh, whether I got saved them or not is up for Bible scholars to debate. If you're old enough to receive Jesus, I don't know. I know I prayed at that point. I know I did it again when I was four and again when I was eight. And it was just like a process. I'm going to make sure that I'm covered. I'm going to make sure that I'm saved. I don't know at what point I actually first received salvation, but it was very Early on in my life, I was very blessed by that. And I, so I grew up in church. Uh, in fact, my grandfather on my mom's side was a pastor. And, and grandpa, uh, he had planted five or six Assemblies of God churches in Montana and North Dakota. And, and so as I grew up, I kind of had this idea of what a perfect Christian was supposed to look like. I had these people at my church, these people in my family that I aspired to be like. And they had it all together. Man, they had it down. And so time after time, I would fail to live up to that standard. Time after time, I would discover there was junk in me. And, of course, there was junk in them. I just wasn't aware of it. But, but there would be this stuff in me, and it wouldn't measure up. And when that happened, I would come under so much condemnation. I would come under so much rejection. I would feel like, man, I'm a failure. Like, God can't love me like he used to. God can't use me anymore. I've wasted it. I've blown it. I can remember So many Sundays at our very charismatic church services where I would be down at the front altar with my face in the ground, like crying my eyes out, just repenting for stuff that I would got caught up in that week. So much wanting to live up to this perfect ideal of a Christian. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus loves me just as much today as he did then just as much now as he did before he saved me. There's nothing I can do to make him love me anymore and nothing I can do to make him love me any less. And to understand that, that the same grace that saved me is the grace that sustains me, to to understand that the same grace that brought me to Jesus is the grace that's going to use me for Jesus is something that I've got to constantly wash my brain with. I've got to constantly renew my mind with that truth. I've got to wake up and meditate on that truth because if I don't, I'm going to fall back into condemnation. I'm going to fall back into the moment of thinking I just don't measure up. And so if you want to train uh, up in the faith, if you want to train for everything that God has for you, if you want to sign up for the greatness of God's calling on your life, and I believe that every Christian has an incredible call of God on their life to be used in their family, to be used in their workplace, to be used in ways that you could never even fathom. If you want that in your life, if you want your life to mean something, if you want to discover fulfillment and purpose, first you got to change your paradigms because the ways That our flesh thinks, the ways that we naturally think are not the ways that God thinks. And we've got to renew our mind. We've got to put God's thoughts in here and get our thoughts out of here. So, the first thing you need to do is change your paradigms. As your mind renews, you'll begin to be empowered to walk in the rest of the training that God has for you. The second step in the training process that God has for us, and we're going to park here and spend most of our time here, is you need to develop your practices. So first, we change our paradigms. Second, we develop our practices. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Russell Wilson trains, Hours and hours each week, somewhere between 60 and 80 hours between watching tape, studying the playbook, meeting with coaches and other two position groups, actually being in practice, running plays, trains so many hours every week for a game that he's going to spend about 30 minutes of game time on the field for each Sunday. Then in the off season, he spends hours after hours, literally thousands of hours working on his diet, working on his body, working on his mind, getting everything ready for the next season, for he's going to spend a combined about eight hours of game time on the field in an NFL regular season. It's amazing the amount of time and effort that these athletes put in to prepare, to train for a very relatively small amount of time, especially in the NFL, because there's so few games in their season. It's just mind-blowing how much goes into it. And yet, at the end of the day, and Russell Wilson will be the first to tell you this, when he dies, none of it's going to mean it as much as I need the Seahawks to win today, or I'm going to have a rough night, as much as Melody needs the Seahawks to win today so I can be in a good mood tonight, uh, if they don't, it really doesn't change anything. There's no eternal significance to it. So if they can put that much effort, that much time, that much strain, that much sacrifice into something of simple temporal value, how much more should the people of God who have a calling to the things of eternal significance, how much more should we enlist to train on a day-by-day basis? And yet, if you were to look at our lives compared to the lives of athletes and look at our spiritual life and say, how much training, how much significance do we put in this thing? Most of us would not really measure up. Most of us would not look like we really believe this thing has any eternal value at all. And I'm not telling you that to condemn you. I'm telling you that to encourage you that God has something better for you. God's calling us to something deeper. He's calling us to a higher place in the faith, each and every one of us. When I was a kid, I started playing baseball. I played t-ball for a couple years when I was real young, and then I didn't play baseball for a few years. And so I was 12 years old. I finally taught my parents into letting me play baseball, and right. so they got me signed up, and of course, my parents were not always on top of things, so they got me signed up late, so the season had kind of already started, everybody had been practicing and stuff, of course, these guys have been playing ball together since they're eight years old, and so here I come, 12 years old, never really played organized ball, I played rec league T ball, don't know how to do anything, but man, I love the Mariners, Ken Griffey Jr., what's up, let's go, let's play some ball, so, so I show up to baseball practice, and I'm excited to hit, I'm excited to catch, I'm excited to throw, do all this stuff. And my coach takes one look at me uh, and kind of has me run through a couple of drills, and he decides that I throw like a girl. Uh, And so the first thing that he decided was, you don't get to play, you're not running plays, everybody else is going to scrimmage, everybody else is going to be out there, we're sticking you off in a corner in front of a net, And you're going to throw a baseball into that net hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times for our two-hour practice. You're not going to talk to anybody. You're not going to do anything. All you're going to do is throw a baseball. I'm going to teach you how the proper form is. And so they retrained my body how to throw a baseball like a man. Praise Jesus. Uh, And so I stand in front of that net, and I throw the ball time and time and time again. I'd be so annoyed, and I'd look out to the field longingly as everybody's out there, you know, swinging the bat around, and I hear the crack of the bat, and I'd be like, man, I'm supposed to be out there on the field, and I'm stuck in front of the stupid net. And so that lasted for much longer than I care to admit. But you know what ended up happening? By the time the, the actual season started, the regular season against our conference uh, opponents, and I got in there against our division, by the grace of God, I actually got to start. And I was a uh, starting center fielder. I was much skinnier then and could run a lot faster. And, and so they started me at center field almost every game. There were a couple games they put me in second base instead, but I started every game. And so I'm out there starting and Balls get hit to me. And you know the crazy thing happens. When the ball got hit to me, I'd field it, I'd catch it or bring it, whatever, and I'd go to throw, and I didn't have to think through my form. I didn't have to think about how to throw the ball right. It was natural. It was instinctive. Why? Repetition, repetition, repetition. The daily practices that that we take these things, we do these things that sometimes seem so insignificant. When you actually get out on the field, when you get out to the battle. All of a sudden, it enables you to do your best. Where am I going with this? These practices that we're about to look at, these daily things that I I think all of us need to engage in for spiritual training, they're going to do two things for you. They're going to make it natural when you actually get into a rough spot. Man, when you actually need to go before God and ask him for a miracle for your family, how much would you like to be in a place next time that, that day comes? Because all of us have that day comes. Where when you have to go ask for that miracle, it's not like, hey, God, I haven't talked to you in two months. I, mean, I talked to you yesterday and the day before and the day before. And so now I don't need to repent for the fact that we haven't been together. Now I don't need to repent for all the junk that's been in my life because I've been doing that day after day. And so now when I need the miracle, I can go boldly before the throne of grace and believe you to do something fantastic in my life. We can have that, but it comes from a daily process, getting in there and building our practices. And so the other thing that it did for me is it gave me a new appreciation for the game of baseball. Now I understood the mechanics behind it. Now I understood everything that went into it. Now I could watch the game and have a whole new appreciation for what those guys were doing because I got stuck in front of a net for hour after hour after hour. And I believe that when you build your daily practices with God, it's going to give you a whole new appreciation. For who Jesus is, for what he's done for you, and what the Christian life is all about. So let's talk about some practices. These are super basic, super elementary, but they're going to unleash the power of God in your life. The first one, first and foremost, read the Bible. Man, that's creative. You come up with that one all the way yourself, Pastor? Yep, I did. Uh, obviously, you've heard this your whole life. Yet, how many of us don't walk in it on a regular basis and i'm not trying to be legalistic i'm not saying if you go 364 days out of 365 you're a failure as a christian it's not what i'm saying at all what i'm saying is we've got to be in god's word god has given us access to his promises he has given access access to his heart he has given us access to his truth and so many of us ignore it on a consistent basis in 2012, I believe it was uh, the month of September, uh, Lifeway Research released a study. And what they did is that they surveyed American Protestant churchgoers. And the reason why they surveyed churchgoers and not just Christians is so many Americans call themselves Christians, but they have no evidence of God in their life. And so they went to the next level of how many call yourself a Christian and actually go to church. Uh, and so they figured that, hey, if you're significant, Uh, enough in your faith to consistently go to church, that's going to give us a a pretty good idea of uh, what the average American Christian really looks like, the the real Christians. And so they surveyed these American churchgoers. Here's what they found out. They found out that 90% of the Protestant churchgoers said this. They said, we have a desire to please and honor Jesus in all that I do. It's a cool statement, right? Right. they asked the question, do you desire to please and honor Jesus in all that you do? 90% said yes. So there's 10% that are kind of fringe. Maybe they're going to church because their wife makes them. Maybe they're going to church because mom and dad makes them. But but 90% say yes, I want to please and honor Jesus in everything that I do. Great number. Great thing to aspire to. Then they asked the follow-up question, do you read your Bible every day? 19% said yes. So 90% want to please and honor Jesus in all that we do. But 81% don't open our Bible on a consistent basis. And I wish I could say that I believe the city church is so far above and beyond that. But I bet if we were to be real honest and go around this room, we may be a little above average, but we're probably not significantly. And so I'm not saying that, man, we're a terrible church. We're an average church. We're a normal church. God's not calling us to be a normal church. God's calling us to be people of his word. If you want to train for the spiritual battles, for the things that God is calling you to, there is no substitute for the word of God. You can't listen to enough sermons. You can't read enough books. You can't pray enough. There is no substitute for God's word. That is life. It is the bread of life to us. If we spiritually want to thrive, if we want to survive, if we want to walk in the things God has for us, we've got to be in the word of God. I know it seems so basic, but we've got to do it now. I don't think most of us don't read because we don't care. I don't think most of us don't read because we don't think the Bible is important. I think the majority of the time we don't read for one of two reasons. One, we don't think we have time. And two, we don't know where to start. Uh, First of all, if you think you don't have time, uh, I'd encourage you to take a real look at how much time you waste throughout the day, uh, because I guarantee you, you can find five minutes to read a chapter. It's in your day. Turn off the cell phone, turn off the TV. Shut the computer. You've got the time. All of us do. Uh, The second reason why many of us don't is we just don't know where to start. The Bible's not like a normal book. You don't start on page one and then read page two and page three and all the way through. That's not the way that it works. It's different. It's designed differently. And so a lot of times we're like, I just don't know what to read. If that's your situation, I encourage you. There's an app for your phone, for your iPad called UVersion. Download the YouVersion app. It's got every Bible and every translation you can ever think of. And it's got a million and one Bible reading plans. Maybe not literally, but it's got a ton. Uh, it's got a read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year plan, different book plans, long-term plans, short-term plans. You're going to find the rhythm that works for you. So get the app. Get on a Bible reading plan. It's going to bring some accountability. It's going to bring some structure to your reading. I could go on and on and on about that, but we've got to move forward. So getting God's Word, most important practice. Second practice goes right alongside it is prayer. We've got to be people of prayer. We did a whole series back in the spring or back in the summer, actually, on how we're too busy not to pray. If you weren't here for those or if you need a refresher on those, you can go to CityChurchLB.com, download the podcast. I encourage you, learn how to pray. Learn how to go before God. But praying is essentially talking to God and listening to God. God speaks to us. He doesn't just want to hear from us. He wants to speak to us as well. Uh, It's more than reciting something that you've heard for years and years. Uh, If you're 31 years old and you sit down to dinner and you're saying, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, uh, God's got something better for you. I'm not saying he doesn't hear that prayer. I'm not not saying that he's ignoring you or turning you out, but he's calling you to a deeper place. Let's just be real. Uh, It's not just reciting something. It's speaking to God. It's being real and genuine with him, seeking a place of intimacy with God, we got to be people of prayer, uh, and so I encourage you: learn to engage with God authentically. Learn to go before Him. Learn to seek Him, and learn to, to tune into what He's saying in response. Another practice that I think is so crucial is, is worship. There's many ways that we can worship God. There's many ways that we can do this through our lifestyle, through our work ethic, through, through the things that we say to others. Uh, but I want to talk specifically about worship through music because I think this is so important. Uh, maybe you've ever heard these terms. Probably most of us have not heard these terms. But a couple terms I want to throw at you. The first is earworm. Everybody heard, anybody ever heard of earworm? Okay, I didn't think so. Uh, the, the technical term for it, the scientific term, is musical imagery Repetition. Musical imagery repetition. Uh, Let me illustrate it for you. Most of us can identify with this. You ever had a song stuck in your head? Anybody ever had a song stuck in their head? That's earworm. That's what the scientists would call musical imagery repetition. Why do songs get stuck in our heads so easily? I believe because God has wired us to worship through music. I believe the reason why music gets stuck in our heads so easily is because God built us a very specific way. If we look into scripture, if we look into the, what we're going to be doing in heaven, I don't believe all we're doing in heaven is worshiping and singing nonstop. I think there's other things in heaven, but worshiping and singing is a big part. And so if you think I'm a big bad dude, I'm too good to sing. I, I, my, my voice doesn't sound good. I'm not raising my hands. Uh, you might as well get used to it now because you're going to be doing it a lot in heaven. Uh, and, and he's worthy. He's worth it. We've got to be people of worship, and I don't just mean when we gather together, although I think it is very important for us to step into God's presence together. There's a power when two or more are gathered together. God inhabits the praises of his people, but he can inhabit your praises in your bedroom or in your car. Last Thursday, I drove down to Columbus, and uh, when I went to college, I went to college about two and a half hours away from home in North Carolina, uh, and when I would drive back home or, or would drive back to college, I would just pop in a worship CD. And I just worshiped for two, two and a half hours. This is before cell phones, so there was no distraction. Or before I had a cell phone anyway. Uh, maybe somebody did. Zach Morris had one. Uh, but uh, uh, worshiping God in the car, two and a half hours. And it was the most beautiful, most intimate times, like some of the greatest times I've ever had with the Lord. Just worshiping him. The things that he would reveal to me, the, the assurance that he would give me, the closeness that I would feel to him in those times is incredible. And so this past Thursday when I'm driving to Columbus, got and a half hour road trip throw on some worship and all of a sudden I, I'm taking back to this place that I haven't been in in like 14 years uh, this moment with God this intimacy with him and I just realized I need more of this in my life I, I need to be in this place more frequently I need to carve out time and not just do it when I got no other choice because there's nothing else to do with the car I need to specifically purpose to spend time in worship to God and I believe that we all needs to do that. As well, a couple other practices, just super quickly before we move on. Church attendance. Man, get to church. Be at church. Develop the practice of being in church. If this isn't the church for you, there's a ton of great churches in this county. Find one. Commit to it. Plug into it. Be there. Last week, the, the video testimony that we showed was Dwindle and Lori. And Dwindle said something so cool and, and so encouraging to me. He said, man, uh, for three Sunday, the reason why I got connected, the reason that God caused me to, to want to be a part of City Church and then go and re pursue my wife. And the reason why we're together today is three Sundays in a row, God spoke directly to me. Three Sundays in a row, it was like the message was written specifically for me. And that sounds really cool and it sounds really awesome for a preacher to hear that. And I'm glad he said that. But the most important part of that, Dundell was here three Sundays in a row. And he'll tell you at that point in time, he wasn't always here three Sundays in a row. He wasn't Always showing up when the doors were open, but because he was here three weeks in a row, it opened the door for God to speak to him three weeks in a row. We got to be in church. We got to be committed to it. Uh, Another important a practice we need to develop is the practice just of our attitude. Man, uh, of determining I'm going to have a good attitude today. I know that my boss is mad at me. I know that man, my kids are annoying me, but I'm going to choose to have an attitude that glorifies Jesus today. And and day after day, just determining I'm getting my attitude right. Another one. the habit of giving develop the practice of giving if you're not taking that step and become a giver man no time like the present to give to honor god with the first 10 percent of your income if you're already a tither begin to see god is he calling me to a greater grace in giving is he calling me to a deeper place in giving but we need to develop these practices uh the last thing uh as we wrap up today the last way that god trains us is we need to find our partners change your paradigm Develop your practices. Find your partners. Nobody stands alone. Nobody's designed to follow Jesus by themselves. None of us. I don't care how close to God you think you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how many books of the Bible you've memorized. You are not called to serve Jesus by yourself. you got to find your partners. you got to find Christians that you can surround yourself with who are going to speak life into you, who are going to encourage you, who are going to challenge you, who are going to call you on your stuff because you know you got stuff. You've got to put people in your life that are going to help you. If you want to get on a workout plan, one of the greatest things that any personal trainer will tell you to do, find, some, find a workout buddy. Find somebody to work out with. Russell Wilson, he doesn't go practice by himself. He goes to practice. He's surrounded with coaches. He's surrounded by other players. He's surrounded by other people who are working just as hard as he is, who have the same goal, the same mindset. And because he's got his partners, they push him to the greatest performance that he can get to. If you want to train up in the Word of God, if you want to train up to follow Jesus, Find your partners. Hebrews 10.25 says very famously, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know what that verse means? That means we need church more now than they did 2,000 years ago. Right? Even more as you see the day approaching. I don't know how close we are to the return of Jesus. It might be next year. It might be 100 years from now, but I know we're a whole lot closer than they were 2,000 years ago. It says, Even more as you see the day approaching. We need to be around other Christians, not just on Sunday mornings. We have a thing here we call city groups. And when you came in today, you probably saw uh, a sheet on your seat. And we're about to launch our our next semester of city groups. You can go ahead and grab that real quick. I just want to bring your attention very quickly to some high-level data points on here. We've got four city groups going to launch. They're going to launch. We're going to do actually the week of February the 9th. because February the 2nd is Super Bowl Sunday, and a couple of the city groups won't be able to meet that week, so we're just going to bump it back to February the 9th. That way we can start strong. But February the 9th, um, we'll have full details about all this, including addresses, phone numbers, all the stuff you need next Sunday, but I want to go ahead and give this to you now so you can start praying about it because you need to find some partners. You need some people that you can do life with, and this is the best mechanism we have at City Church to actually get in relationship. There's people. How many of you were in a city group this past semester? Just raise your hand. You can ask their testimony about it. You saw hands all over this room. Those people tell you how important it is to be in a city group, to find your partners. So here's the four uh, city groups that we're offering this semester. Uh, Dwindle's going to do just a general Bible study group, just like he did last uh, semester here in Olive Branch. This time it'll actually be at Cody and Mercedes' house. So if you're from South Haven, that's uh, closer to uh south haven than it was last semester so you may want to sneak over it actually says on here tuesday nights it'll be monday nights at 6 30 that's a typo monday nights at 6 30 so that'll start february the 10th um then myself and my wife we uh actually melody got a vision for this we're gonna do a city group uh it's like the basics man if you're a new believer if you've recently made a, a commitment, you raised your hand here in a fresh start and said hey i want to get closer to god god's got something for me uh, you need to know the basics We want to do a discipleship class. We want to do a a small group that's really going to dive into what does the Bible have to say uh, about salvation? What does the Bible have to say about faith? What does the Bible have to say about the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible have to say about these such important things? So we're going to do that. We're going to host that at our house. That's going to be Sunday nights at 6 p.m. We live in South Haven, actually the other side of South Haven, almost in Horn Lake and Colonial Hills. Uh, So it might be a little bit of a drive if you live here in Olive Branch, but it'll be worth it. Um, We think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's Sunday night. Like Pastor Jason said, you ain't got nothing to do on Sunday night anyway. So come hang out with us, uh, have a good time, and and let's learn the basics. Um, Kim Steed, what up? Video testimony superstar. She's going to lead uh, a city group for women, uh, study on Mary and Martha and discovering how to live a merry life in a Martha world. Uh, That's going to be Thursday nights at Kim's house. She lives here in Olive Branch. So like I said, we'll have the full details for that on you next week. Uh, And then we're going to launch a men's group. I've had a lot of men asking me, hey, we need a men's group. We need a men's Bible study. We need to get together. So we're going to call it Man Up because we're going to have to man up because it's 6 a.m. So and no wimps are going to be at a 6 a.m. men's Bible study. We're going to have to man up. But it's going to be 6 a.m. right here uh, at City Church, because I'm not asking anybody to open their house at 6 in the morning. That's just, that's just rough. Uh, so we're going to meet here at 6, and we're going to come in, and we're going to man up. Uh, and We're going to seek God together, build bonds as, as men, uh, and as iron sharpens iron, we're going to sharpen each other. So very excited for this. Um, you can be in more than one of these if you want to, but I really encourage you to be in at least one. Uh, Man, find your group, find your partners, find the people that are going to help you, that are going to sharpen you, that are going to make you better. I'm super excited to have a men's group and a women's group, and I'm so grateful for Kim stepping up and taking the horns on that. Um, Anyway, change your paradigm, develop your practices, find your partners. God's got training for us. God's got better things for us in 2014 than he had in 2013, but they're not just going to happen. We got to be trained up for them. We got to be ready. And if we, man, if we'll put these things into practice, man, there's no limit to what God can do in you, in your family, and through this church. Let's let's pray.